This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Wednesday night Bible class that's posted every Wednesday evening at 6.30 and a Sunday morning Bible class posted every Sunday morning at 9.30, which are the regular times for our Bible classes in the building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. We are thankful to be able to reach out on such an extended basis through the internet as we as we uh, broadcast these podcasts to help people get into God's word who can't be with us in the building at those times. Maybe people listening in another part of the United States or literally around the world. We're thankful to be able to just teach God's word on such a widespread basis and thereby help more people than we can simply locally by, again, putting it out through these podcasts. So if you're listening on a regular basis, we're thankful for you being there. If you're listening perhaps for the very first time, we're very thankful for you to be there as well. And our prayer is that as you study along with us, you will become impressed that with the fact that we are simply teaching God's word. We're trying to be the church that we read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Now, we encourage you to help other people you know, probably some within your own family, in fact, who need to change their focus in life. They need to start thinking about their souls, about their relationship with God, about eternity. Help them by sharing these studies. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, maybe other technological means as well. But help your family members, share with them, with your work associates, your neighbors, your friends, with everybody you can. What a great blessing it will be to help somebody get to heaven by helping them to get into God's word by sharing these studies with them. But it will also be a great blessing for you. So share, make that commitment and start today. We also encourage you to tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It will always be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody does sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever. Automatically, they will receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, and also all of our sermons and a wonderful short, about a 13-minute daily Bible study, seven days a week, that gets us into God's Word for just a little bit every day, but it gets us into God's Word. And that helps us to grow in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And they will also receive our Monday through Friday radio program, Search the Scriptures. Now, all of that will be automatic, and it will always be free. While in our website, they can download and listen to hundreds of sermons on audio. And a lot of those are now posted on video format as well. They can also download and read and study through hundreds of articles that are spiritually focused and scripturally based. So tremendous resource materials for studying God's word, and it's all there for free. So encourage everybody you can to take advantage 
of this wonderful blessing. We're going to get back into our study of the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. And we are in chapter 14. Chapter 14. We've covered a lot of ground in studying the basic history of Israel so far. It begins with Abraham before there was a nation of Israel. But from Abraham's bloodline, the nation of Israel came into existence through his son Isaac and his son Jacob, and then through his 12 sons, they became the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. They lived in Egypt for a period of about 400 years or so, grew into basically, in number at least, a nation within the boundaries of Egypt. And then God sent Moses to deliver them from the bondage that the current Pharaoh had placed them under, basically making them slaves. And uh, God sent Moses, I want you to lead my people, the Israelites, the people of promise that I made back to Abraham, your forefather, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I want you to lead them to the land that I promised him through his descendants. That would be the land of Canaan that would become the nation of Israel. Now, as we have been looking at working through this particular part of the history of Israel, the early history, in the book of Exodus, we have seen that Pharaoh refused to let the Israelites go. And God was making an example not only of Pharaoh, but also of the nation of of Egypt who were idol worshipers, demonstrating vividly, repeatedly, powerfully that he is the only true God. And ultimately, Pharaoh let the people go. Ten plagues were put upon the people of Israel by God through Moses, but that tenth plague finally, it served the purpose of causing Pharaoh to yield the death of the firstborn throughout the land of Egypt, all of the Egyptians, all of those who did not have the blood of the lamb spread upon the doorposts and mantle of their homes, the firstborn within those homes died that night. And finally, Pharaoh let the Israelites leave Egypt under Moses' leadership. Well, I want to begin with chapter 13 and verse 17 because it sets the stage for chapter 14, which is where we left off. So I want to bring back the continuity there. Now in chapter 13, we see the Feast of Unleavened Bread instituted, the law of the firstborn. Now in verse 17, that it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God recognized the potential weakness of faith among the Israelites. Uh, Fickleness of humanity, if we want to put it that way. And so what would have been the most straightforward course to the promised land, the land that God had promised, uh, uh, promised Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years ago that he would give to Abraham through his offspring, and these are the offspring, the people now who have become the Israelites, God realized, well, 
going this short route. They're going to have to go by the land of the Philistines, and there's possibility, if not a likelihood, of war with the Philistines, and uh, God recognized, I don't know that this people is ready to stand the test. I don't know if this people is ready to deal with war, armed military conflict, I'm not sure they wouldn't just turn tail and go right back to Egypt into bondage again. In verse 18, so God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, now that is Joseph had placed the children of Israel, his descendants, under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall, and, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Joseph's been dead for 400 years, but they know where he's buried. They know where he's entombed, and so they take his bones with them. As they leave Egypt, they're going to take them to the promised land. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to go by day and night. What a wonderful, what a great graphic visual image of assurance that God was with them that he provided in providing that pillar of cloud by the day to lead them in the way that God wanted them to go on their journey and the pillar of fire at night to give them light, but also to let them know, I'm here with you. I'm here watching over you. Verse 22 of chapter 13, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now we begin chapter 14, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp from, uh, from Pi-Hahirath between Migdal and the sea opposite Baal-Ziphon you, sh uh, you shall camp before it by the sea. Now he says you're going to go all the way to this, to the, to the shoreline of the Red Sea. You're going to camp there. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. So God is foretelling Moses is going to change his heart. He's going to change his mind about having let you go. And so Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now remember that I've emphasized that through these ten plagues that God used to ultimately demonstrate to Pharaoh that God is God, and the idols that they were worshiping in Egypt are not gods. They're just statues, images, carvings. God was teaching the lesson, and not only to the Egyptians, but also to all of the people of all the lands around the nation of Egypt. They would see what was going on. They would get word of it. But perhaps even more important, God was teaching this lesson to his people, the Israelites. Their faith needed to be strengthened. They needed to be assured 
They need to be firm into their commitment to and faithfulness before God. They needed to see God's power at work. God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. He will pursue the Israelites. After he's let them go, he's going to pursue them. But he's not going to pursue them by himself or even just with the palace guard. He's going to take his army after them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people and they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? Now can you imagine that? They had lived through, they had experienced, they had suffered through all those 10 plagues. And yet now that the Israelites had left Egypt, they're saying, why did we let them go? Well, God demonstrated his power repeatedly. And in doing so, he devastated tremendously the nation of Egypt. Agriculturally, a lot of their livestock was dead. But also remember the plague of hail and the plague of the locusts. The crops in their fields were gone, basically. And then also... He had devastated them to a great extent financially because he told the people, the people of Israel, when they finally, when Pharaoh finally says, leave, you ask the people of Egypt for, well, for goods, for silver, gold, and so on, and they'll give it to you. And they did. But then with the death of the firstborn, God devastated the, the, the land of Egypt as far as their population was concerned. Can you imagine what a percentage, what a total number of Egyptians died that night, that one night, because of the plague on the firstborn? My, my. And now Pharaoh and his servants are saying, why did we let them go? We let our servants go. <laughs> they were our slaves, basically. Now they're gone. They might have been saying, what are we going to do now for all the work that we were having them do? Interesting, interesting. Verse 6, so he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. All right, now Pharaoh, he's probably feeling pride and maybe even anger and resentment, and boy, he's feeling power. And so he gets his he has his chariot made ready, and he takes 600 choice chariots. And then it says that all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chariots, he is leading into per, in pursuit of the Israelites. Undoubtedly, he's thinking of a great slaughter. And then the survivors, he's going to have his soldiers lead back into Egypt 
and to serve, the, uh, serve him and, and the people of Egypt in humiliation. Oh, it's not going to go quite like that. Verse 8, and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them by camping by the sea, overtook them camping by the sea beside Pihirath before Baal Zephon. Now it's interesting. Are we to understand from these descriptions in verse 9 that basically the entire Egyptian army was led by Pharaoh in pursuit of the Israelites? It says all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army. Interesting. Whether it was the entire army or whether it was just this huge contingent of the army, He took a whole lot of his military force, at the very least, and he's pursuing the Israelites. So now God is about to devastate Egypt militarily. He's already done that agriculturally. He's done that to a great extent economically. Well, certainly economically would go with agricultural devastation. He's done that through the death of the firstborn, so population-wise, And now he's going to devastate Egypt militarily. When Pharaoh drew near, verse 10, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? (laughs) Again, the fickleness of humankind. Oh, they were rejoicing when they were let go. They were rejoicing as Moses led them out of Egypt into the wilderness. There must have been tremendous thanksgiving to God through prayer. And oh, how they must have looked forward with expectation to what God had waiting for them ahead. But now they see the Egyptian army pursuing them. And now (laughs) the weak faith that God had been concerned about and why he had not led them on the shorter route past the land of the Philistines to the promised land, they were evidencing that right now as they turned around and saw the Egyptian army pursuing them. Why did you lead us out? Why did you bring us out here to the wilderness to die, Moses? Why have you dealt this way with us? In verse 12, is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Now, can you imagine that? Just leave us alone. Let us stay slaves. Let us be responsible for making bricks for their structures. (laughs) Again, weak faith, fickleness, For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Had they already forgotten what God had done so powerfully, demonstrating to them through those ten plagues what he had the power to do and what he was doing for them so that they could leave Egypt free and come and establish their own nation. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Oh, powerful words, powerful words, but they were God's words speaking through Moses. Moses was not cowered by the, on, by the approaching, oncoming Egyptian army. And he tells the people, buck up, stand still, do not be afraid. See the salvation of the Lord. Now they had already seen that. But now they were going to be given another demonstration, perhaps even more powerful than the first ten. And Moses says... And how they must have wondered as to the meaning of his words when he said, the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Now, I suspect that Moses understood that God was going to destroy that Egyptian army right before the eyes of the Israelites. Verse 14 the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. For the Lord said, to, and the Lord said to Moses, "Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward." Now maybe Moses was experiencing some trepidation here, that maybe is brought out here in verse fifteen, when the Lord responds to Moses or says to Moses, "Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward," or maybe simply. God was telling Moses with emphasis, you're crying to me, that is, you're praying to me, tell the children of Israel to go forward. Don't stop. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now, that probably would have been perplexing to most of the Israelites in their mind, how are we going to go through the Red Sea on dry ground? This is a mighty body of water. And it's water. What's, how are we going to go through it on dry ground? Verse 17, God continues, And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, over his chariots and his horsemen. Well, could it have been that God knew by reading Pharaoh's heart that Pharaoh was still thinking he was powerful enough to do what he wanted to do, to challenge God and God's will, to stand against God because Pharaoh still had this mighty army? Well, God is about to show him, nothing you have compares to my power. And your arrogance and your disobedience and unfaithfulness and disbelief in me, you need to learn the lesson. And I'm going to show it to you. The Egyptians then shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, over his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. 
No, but God's presence was not leaving them. It came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. In other words, God was blocking the way of the Egyptians until the Israelites could cross through the Red Sea on dry ground and be safe on the other side. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So God caused an easterly wind, split the sea, divided the waters, and that wind dried off the ground in between. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Oh my, what an experience that must have been. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them. But you see, this was a huge body of water. It would have taken a long time for the multitudes of Israel to cross on that dry ground. And by the time they were far enough along that they were out of reach of the, of the Egyptian army, then the Egyptian army, God's barricade, so to speak, he let go. And the Egyptian army pursued, and that would give them time to totally follow and come into that dry land within the midst of the walls of water of the Red Sea on each of their sides. If those, water, if those walls of water would collapse, they would be totally vulnerable, and that was exactly what God intended to cause to happen. It came to pass, verse 24, in the morning watch, that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty, and the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. In other words, their chariots were <laughs> malfunctioning big time, slowing them down but they were already in the midst of the sea and dry land, but they were vulnerable. The Israelites were clearing the path. They were getting on the other side safely. Then the Lord said to Moses, now he's already, the Israelites and Moses are already on the other side. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. In other words, the waters covered the entire Egyptian army that was pursuing the Israelites. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that had come into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. 
they were all drowned. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. In other words, washed up on the shoreline after drowning in the waters. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. My, what a graphic visual aid lesson God presented to the Israelites. Mm. God is all-powerful. Nothing is impossible for God. Luke 1 and verse 23. We'll pick up with chapter 15 next time. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we come to you at this time, awesome of your power, your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your love for us. There is no God but you. And we recognize that, Father, and we give you all the glory, the praise, and the honor. Please guide us to always walk with you, and please always walk with us. And watch over us and take care of us, Father, and protect us from all kinds of harm and danger, we pray, and especially spiritual harm and danger, but also health-wise, physically, but just every way, Father, please we pray and guide us to live by your teachings consistently and to glorify you thereby. Help people to come to you, Father. We pray. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.